Welcome to Life Lessons with Dr. Steve Shell. For 20 years, Dr. Steve's 30-minute radio program, Life Lessons, was heard throughout the United States. Committed to comprehensively teaching through entire books of the Bible, Pastor Steve pulls out the deep, eternal truths in each section of Scripture without skipping over the challenging passages. He applies what is learned clearly and practically so that we're inspired not to just be hearers of the Word, but doers also. John chapter 1, and I'm going to introduce you to John today. Father, would you open this word to us? We love your word. It is life to us. It forms us and and frees us and heals us. So we pray right now for for revelation to understand your word. I pray for grace to be faithful to your word and not bring in mine. Come Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. This is the introduction to the Gospel of John. I'm going to read the first 18 verses. There's much more to be said, but I want to introduce it to you, and I want you to, I want you to just listen to, to the power of this. Uh, the Gospel of John, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, Nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Would you say that? And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory as of the only begotten from the father. Say only begotten from the father. Full of grace and truth. John testified about him and cried out saying, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me has a higher rank than I. For he existed before me. For of his fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God. Would you say the only begotten God? Who is in the bosom of the Father. He has explained him. Introducing John. Who is Jesus of Nazareth? People began debating that question even while they were listening to him preach and watching him perform miracles. And that debate has continued ever since. Was he a rabbi, a prophet, the promised Messiah, or God's divine son? Did people misinterpret what he said about himself? Was he a religious imposter deliberately deceiving the masses? A delusional fanatic who believed his own lies? Or the incarnation of God? Did he actually claim to be God? Or did his followers 
full of misguided zeal, turn him into one later on. If you listen to the television and those shows, that's pretty much what they're going to try to tell you. These questions were being vigorously debated during the decades after the church was founded. So many voices were offering so many false answers that John would describe his generation as one that was full of antichrists. And it was to put an end to this confusion that he wrote his gospel. It's almost certain the other three gospels had already been written and that he knew all that Matthew, Mark, and Luke had said. But still there remained much confusion about the nature and mission of Jesus himself. Do you hear this? This becomes the deal. Not simply what did he do and do we have kind of the story told to us, but people were still confused about who is Jesus. Now I want you to know, you and I can be wrong about a lot of things, and are, I'm sure. But you can't be wrong about that. That's what you can't be wrong about. The person of Jesus, who is he? Who is he? And so John, I believe, alarmed. John, I think, in Ephesus, and, 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 but aware of what's going on all over the world, of course. Being, I believe John said, this has got to be clarified. He already had the other three Gospels. He knew they were there. He probably had them. But he said, there's, there's something, they didn't say it all. There's a story they didn't tell. Yet uh, it is upon that truth, of the nature and mission of Jesus, that our entire salvation rests. To be wrong here is to perish. So John took up his pen to explain carefully what he knew. And no one in all of human history has a greater right to speak to this issue. This is the man who was with Jesus from the very beginning. He had been a disciple of John the Baptist before he became a follower of Jesus. He was actually standing beside John the Baptist when the prophet looked up and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And it was him and Andrew whom Jesus first invited to follow him as his disciples. And for the entire three and a half years of the Lord's ministry, he watched everything he did. Aren't you jealous? Wouldn't you love to? Man, this, this man saw it all. There were times Jesus selected only three disciples to accompany him during some of the most intense spiritual moments, such as his transfiguration and his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. And John was always there. He sat beside the Lord when he served the Last Supper in the upper room. He was personally, he personally admitted into the high priest's courtroom and allowed to listen to the horrible trial Jesus endured before the crucifixion. Those reports are from John. He's standing there listening. He doesn't have secondhand information. And while the other disciples watched from a distance, safely mixed into the crowd, John came right up to the cross and stood there with four brave women. Jesus trusted him so completely. He asked him to care for his mother after he died. John stood so close to the cross when a soldier ran a spear into Jesus' side, he could see blood and water pour out of the wound. Understand, he'll even say that at the end. He says, he who has seen this thing is the one who testifies to you. I stood there and watched it pour out of him. I know how dead he was. And then he'll also tell you, and I was there when he came into the room and, and we 
touched his scars, fed him fish. This is the man who can tell you these things. He's, he's not telling you secondhand information. He has seen and, and been in all of it. He personally entered the empty tomb and saw the linen wrappings and the face cloth. His own eyes observed the resurrected Jesus enter a locked room and stand in front of them so real, so solid, so genuinely alive. They could touch his scars and serve him food. He ate a breakfast the risen Lord cooked for him on a beach beside the Sea of Galilee. And he walked so closely behind Jesus and Peter that he could hear their wonderful conversation. He watched Jesus physically ascend and disappear through a cloud. He heard the Lord promise to baptize them in the Holy Spirit and was in the upper room when the Holy Spirit fell upon all the disciples and he too spoke in tongues and declared the mighty deeds of God. And then as the years passed, John continued as an eyewitness to many of the wonders the Lord performed through the early church. Is there anybody you'd rather ask about who is Jesus than that man? Why John wrote? I think John wrote this gospel because he was alarmed by the false things being said about Jesus. Jesus was a great rabbi, but he was more than a rabbi. He was a prophet, but he was more than a prophet. He was the Messiah, the anointed king from the line of David. But he was even more than that. Do you understand that? The Messiah was never thought to be divine. Though you do have Psalm 2 talking about him being somehow, this day I have begotten thee. So that is the Messiah. He was truly a man, a human being who grew hungry, thirsty, and tired, Jesus. But he was even more than that. He was divine. He existed before he was conceived in Mary's womb. He came to earth from heaven. And though it is a mystery beyond our understanding, John says he was present at the beginning of creation. In fact, he was the one who spoke it into existence, which is why John calls him what? The word, hologos. John's perspective, John seems to have listened to Jesus at a deeper level than most of his other disciples. In that way, he was similar to Mary of Bethany, who would listen carefully to what Jesus taught and actually heard the spiritual meaning of what he was saying. You remember this about Mary of Bethany? Let me just remind you about her. Mary, Martha. Martha's making dinner, busy with all of that. And where was Mary? She was there sitting at his knee, listening to everything he said. And Mary comes, Martha comes in and says, have my sister help me. And, and, and Jesus says, she is doing the one thing that matters. Now, I want to point out something because it, I really believe it's there. The disciples don't get what Jesus is saying. Jesus has been telling them in, in really very clear terms, I'm going to be crucified and I'm going to rise from the dead. And, and, and yet nobody hears that. They don't want to hear it. They don't like this. This isn't their plan. And so they block it. But Mary of Bethany did not. Remember what she did? Basically, as, as he's just, just prior to kind of the Passion Week, she takes this vial of, of oil 
uh, with perfume in it that is worth whatever you make for a year's wage. It was, it was worth that. It was, it was 300 denarii, which is basically for a, for a, a laborer person, it would be an entire year's wage. She breaks this thing and pours the entire thing over Jesus. Uh, remember how Judas Iscariot responded? He's, 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 a th- he's furious. Jesus says, the poor you have with me, you always, but you, say, you don't have me. And then he says this, she has anointed me for what? My burial. I think she knew that. I think she knew that. I think he went to the cross still smelling of that beautiful perfume. How do you get all that off you? I do. She literally, she's pro, this is a powerful prophecy. The woman is anointing him saying, this, she's on behalf of the father saying to the son, you are, you, this, to me, you are beautiful. And what you will go through, your death is beautiful. And I anoint you and honor you with the most precious thing I have. That's the woman. She heard do you understand? Now, very few people actually heard or listened. She did. And I believe so did John. That's why. He, as you read the gospel, there th- he does out of, out of seven miracles that, of the, that he will report of Jesus, five of them are ones that the others don't. John is the one who in the upper room, on the night in which the Lord is betrayed, records the incredible dialogue. Where would we be without? That's the entire chapters 13, 14, 15, and 16, and 17 of the Gospel of John are all that evening. No one else tells us that. Where were we going to do without it? I mean, 50% of the verses you memorize. John heard. We will forever be grateful that he remembered the profound teachings given in the upper room on that night Jesus was betrayed. And now, the challenge he places before us is this. Will we, like John and Mary of Bethany, listen deeply to what Jesus said? Will we recognize the signs he performed and understand the truths he was revealing about himself? Too many people in John's day had missed the point. They tried to fit Jesus into a category that made sense to them. Rather than listen to what he said. Or see the meaning behind what he did. The one who spoke. Now I've already read you the passage. It was probably while he was a pastor in Ephesus that John wrote this gospel. Undoubtedly, he saw many who were in danger of abandoning the truth, and so there would be no confusion about the Jesus he was presenting to them. He began with his conclusion. That those first 18 verses are his conclusion. That's really, here's what I'm now going to show you. Here's a brief paraphrase. This is my paraphrase of the, the, those important verses. We'll go, there's much more to be said. But I want you to get a feel of what you just heard. God the Father was not alone when creation began. A divine person was there with him. And it was through that person that he spoke all things into being. Did you follow that? It was through that person that all things, let there be light, was spoken Follow? God the Father is God the Father. 
All of this is at his desire. All of this is, all the grace and truth and loveliness is from him. But he has, there's someone there. John is just starts out calling him Hologos, the word. He says he's there with him. And it was through him that all this was spoken into being. No human has ever seen God the Father. But he sent to us the one who spoke creation into existence to show us his true nature. And what we see when we look at him is someone who is full of what? Grace and truth. Grace and truth. Aren't, what a lovely thing. When you see Jesus, you are looking at the heart of the Father. Everything he did, everything he said. May, may I say that as a touchstone which you can use to, to check everything? <laughs> How, if you hear something that doesn't match Jesus about God, and you'll hear a lot of those things, people will say one thing about Jesus, and then they get wild when they talk about God. If it doesn't fit Jesus, it doesn't fit God. Jesus actually, as we go through this gospel, this is, I'm not reading into this. This is what he says. Jesus will say things like this, before Abraham was, what? I am. In other words, who was it who walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the afternoon in the garden? It was the pre-incarnate Jesus, son, the word. Who who was it who Abraham and Sarah served uh, a a meal to? It was the pre-incarnate Lord Jesus. God has communicated to us through his beloved son all along. All of this in complete harmony. There's There's no... What, what Jesus showed us is greater than what Moses showed us in the law, says John. This divine person became a man. But John the Baptist was not that man. John's mission was to prepare people so they would believe in the one who came from heaven when they saw him. Why does John, John the apostle need to talk about John the Baptist so much? One, he was his disciple, if you recall, so he knows him very well. But secondly, you who've been with me through the book of Acts forever, when, we, when Paul came to the city of Ephesus, which is where John is, what did he encounter? He, a, a group of disciples who were followers of John the Baptist, recall this? Apollos, remember that, that, that wonderful man? He was, he was originally a follower of John the Baptist. So we've got a strong John the Baptist move. So into this is one of the prime disciples of John the Baptist who is now uh, sees Jesus and he speaks to them and says John was never the Messiah. He came to prepare us so we'd recognize the the one himself. You see that? John and John he has more to say. He will do some beautiful work of of showing us John the Baptist. Those who recognize who he is and believe in him are given by God the Father the right to become his children. And they will undergo a spiritual and physical transformation so they can be with him forever. This business of being a child of God, it's not some phrase that he's throwing off. We, Jesus is the begotten son. He is by nature the Son of God, but you and I will be through him adopted into that position and that relationship. 
And it is amazing what it means. C.S. Lewis makes this comment, and, and, and I, I've never forgotten it. He says, if, if you and I were to see the lowliest disciple after the resurrection in, the, their, in their glorious new state, he said, if we were to see the lowliest disciple in that glorious new state, he said, if you and I did not know better, we'd be inclined to fall on our knees and worship. You are going to be resurrected with, the, with, with a glorious new, new body, and, and you will be full of the, of, the, of the Shekinah glory of God. That's your destiny. That's what Jesus has done for you. This isn't some little gotcha out of hell. What you've been done is you've been now made a child of God forever. You will be with him. You will, I mean, the, the privilege, I, I have no, we, we don't have words to know yet. All that he has done for us. When, this is what John is explaining to us. My spirit is joined to him, but my, my, my very body is caught up in this. And I am born anew. Jesus is that one who at the Father's command spoke creation into existence. He is God's divine son by nature. He was begotten. You understand what that word means? Cats beget kittens, dogs beget puppies, humans beget babies. That's how you beget. Jesus is a begotten son, not a created son. And sent to earth to show us the God we've never seen. As his gospel progresses, John will show us step by step how Jesus revealed these truths. But he starts with his conclusion. This is who he is and why he came. And John doesn't hide his motive. He's very open about why he's telling us these things. He says, would you read this out loud with me? But these things have been written... So that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. And then I insert Messiah. That's what Christ means. Then go on. The Son of God, the one who was with him at the beginning of creation. And that believing, you may have life in his name. He indeed is Messiah. But he is also the one who spoke creation into being. The Jesus John will present to us. It's hungry, tired. Has, has blood and water pour out of him as he expires on the cross. Totally a man. He's also, as his spirit, the one who spoke the worlds into existence on behalf of the Father. Wow. What happens when you begin to look at these sort of things is you want to resolve questions. There are questions that come, raises, aren't there? Uh, well, how, does, how did God have a, have a son? Well, obviously, there's no God the mother. There's nothing disgusting like that. Well, then how? The Bible doesn't say. And the minute you answer it, you're a heretic. Did you follow me? This is how people get in trouble. There is a pride of mind, and it's deep in the human race. We, it is in all of us. We want to resolve. We want to figure it out. We want to be the one who finds and discovers the nugget. And that's how your cults have been formed. People trying to answer questions the Bible doesn't. Let me tell you something. 
Nobody on planet Earth knows anything more about God than what's in this book. Do you follow? You say, what about the theologians? Yeah, what about them? They know nothing beyond what's in this book. Nothing. Jesus has come to show us God, and this book tells us accurately that Jesus, that men and women who looked at him and touched him and followed him saw. You follow? That requires humility. You, there comes a place where I have to say, God, what you have shown me, what I have seen, I believe. Though I don't understand it all. Now, some people say, well, I'm not going to believe something I don't understand. In which case, your world will be about that big. <laughs> but it is what it is. <laughs> do you, you following me? If you do not have the intrinsic humility... This is what God has revealed. You never figure him out. One, you and I aren't smart enough, but secondly, we aren't good enough. Your heart, your character, your nature is not good enough to think like God thinks. Just be honest about it. None of us are. So what happens is God has areas where he has pulled the curtain aside and said, this is what I'm like. And he has shown us some deep truths. You've just heard John nail them, a bunch of them. Those are profound truths. You and I have peered into eternity. And that's all you know. You know what he told you. You know nothing more. If that's not enough for you, then, then you will end up becoming some sort of heretic. If you have to understand all things, first, you will never become a believer. Does this make sense? You follow? Lord, I understand that you're the divine son and you spoke the worlds into a being. I don't know how that works. I believe it though. I believe what you've shown me. And I humbly bow my knee and know there are many things that you have not. And that's up to you. That is the heart of a man or woman who is a disciple. Who is able to follow the Lord and move forward and grow in Christ. Listen to this promise Jesus gave us. Again, would you read it with me? For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. Did you see those two important words? Behold and believe. Say that. Behold and believe. Now here. To behold Jesus is to understand who he really is. Our human savior and our divine Lord. To believe in him is to properly respond to that person. If I believe he is the one who spoke creation into existence, then there is no other reasonable response possible but to fall on my knees and surrender my entire life to him. If I believe he became a man and died on the cross for me, then there is no other reasonable response possible than to trust him as my savior. To behold him is to understand, but to believe is to reach out 
and take hold of the eternal life he offers. John has done his best to show us the truth about Jesus. But once we understand, you and I must choose for ourselves whether we will or will not believe. Would you stand with me? Praise the Lord. Let me ask this question. Even in going through that prologue of John's, what I call the conclusion, you've heard some remarkable things. There are a lot of different Jesuses being told and presented. There are people who are real stuck on this kind of issue. All, all tightened up and all, all confused. You've heard so many voices, you don't know who to believe. I'm suggesting today we believe John. You've got to believe somebody. And he's clear. I, I didn't read in what I just wrote out there. That's, if you just honestly look at what the man intended to say, that was what he was telling you. And we, as the, we go through the gospel, it, it just reinforces it over and over and again. Anyone today... You just need to say, you know, I've had all kinds of confusing voices, all kinds of things telling me about who this Jesus is. And I've, but I heard today, he is the one through whom the Father spoke the worlds into being. He is also became a man. Well, then, very, he, he got hungry, he got tired. He was fully, really, genuinely, completely a man. But he was also the divine son. I don't really understand all of that, but I hear what John tells me and I choose to follow the apostle, to trust this man who was with him and saw him. I bow my knee. I am willing to accept and believe the truth the word of God shows me and I am willing to not understand the things where the Bible does not speak and I will humbly wait for further information if I'm ever to get it. I can live there in that humility. Would you bow your heads? Anyone need to say that? That's kind of, this is pretty deep. I know that. It goes right to our heart. But I know that, the, that, that some of us may need to just confess today, say, this is my day. He, I, I see Jesus. I see the Jesus that John presents to us. I believe in him. And I also humble myself and say, what the Bible does not show me, I do not need to know. And I will acknowledge and humble myself. Anyone want to raise your hand? and just I will, I'll just acknowledge you and agree with you in that confession. Yes, 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 yes. This is really important. This is important. Yes, yes, yes. The, the voices will be there. People will go after this. Of all things, yes, I agree with you. Yes, yes, yes. Every, every group, every cult, everything, they always go after the person of Jesus. If you and I just take the word as it speaks and humble ourselves where it does not, you will stay right on track. And the anointing will stay with you. The power of God. This is what's important, see. God's hand won't lift. When you walk accurately and faithfully with the real Jesus, boy, he, he, the Lord just strengthens you more and more. And what he does is it's like peeling an onion. He takes you deeper, not some bizarre new things. You begin to understand the, the beauty of the Lord Jesus more deeply the longer you live with him. Anyone else who needs to just say, all right, I surrender to him. 
I surrender to this Jesus. All right, church, let's confess him. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son. Full of truth and grace. Just like you. Father, we love you with all our hearts. And for the gift of your son. For us, in our sin, in our rebellion, in our confusion, you sent him. And he has shown us you. He has died for us. Born our curse. Born our sin. Paid its price. Set us free. That if we believe, we will be born of God. This day, I believe with all my heart. I surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. He is my risen Lord. And I will follow and serve him as he guides me all the days of my life. Jesus Christ, I take hold of your cross. And I trust you as my atonement. The one who died for me, who paid for my sins. And I will never let go for all eternity. My Savior and my Lord. And I believe today, I confess today, the promise that if I believe in you, if I behold the truth, and I believe that I have eternal life. And Jesus, you said, you will raise me up on the last day. I believe that completely. And thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Just one more thing. As we get into this gospel of John, John is also going to teach us about the Holy Spirit. And he's going to let, Je- well, he's going to let Jesus teach us about the Holy Spirit. This is, this is so rich there. Jesus says that when you believe in him, it'll be like rivers of living water coming out of your innermost being. And they say the words innermost being because it's a little awkward to translate what it really says. It says koilia, the koilia of your bowels. And, and it, it's like, like coils of a rope. Well, in other words, out of here. The Lord will literally come and dwell within us as a living temple and fill us with rivers of water. You can't drink rivers of water. That's too much water. In other words, there's an abundance beyond anything you'll ever, ever have the capacity to even touch. In other words, the very presence of the eternal God will come inside of you. You follow? Now, we need to reach out and receive that. It's given, but you and I need to, by faith, say, I receive it. I receive it. It's mine. I mean, there's not, we don't go passive on it. So I'd like you, if you want, put your hand on your heart as if you're relaying your hand on yourself. And let's pray. Holy Spirit, you are my promise. I believe you will dwell in me like rivers of living water. Come now. I welcome you into the temple of my body. Cleansed by the work of Christ. A suitable place for you. Come inside. Be my strength, my goodness, my counselor. Discipline me as you will. I trust you completely. I trust your love and your great wisdom. Never leave me for all eternity. That is my promise. And I believe it with all my heart. Welcome, Holy Spirit. Teach me now to walk in your gifts. 
and to move at your leading. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please click the like button, subscribe, and share it with a friend. For more information, just head to our website, lifelessonspublishing.com. That's lifelessonspublishing.com. There you'll be able to order many of the books Pastor Steve has written.